Greetings, everyone. Before we start our new episode, I just want to apologize that the recording sound quality of this episode may not be very ideal, but we're trying to improve it over time. And thanks for your understanding. Are you doing intro or am I doing intro? Okay, we're back. Welcome to Hood in the Food. No. Welcome back to the third episode of Food in the Hood. Uh, this week we're bringing what is probably going to be a highly requested topic. This is a podcast episode I think a lot of us would have wanted when we were applying to grad school because this week's episode is about applying to grad school. So it encompasses everything from whether to go or not, the whole decision making process, and then also if you choose to go, what area of study within food science to go into, and what schools and what professors and etc. Yeah, Amanda's very excited. I am. <laughs> okay, so before we start with our actual topic, we do have some follow-ups. So Ben, you were supposed to go skydiving. Yes. Uh, it didn't happen, right? <laughs> so what happened was, uh, for for those who don't know, I live in Kansas, and Kansas is very flat. And when you have a flat place, typically it's very windy. So I was notified twice. That、um, I couldn't go skydiving because it was too windy, and、um, now it's、uh, so it almost mid November, so it's、uh, very cold. Well, I mean it's still possible to go, but I just think it's too cold. So I might、um, I might wait for either next spring or go skydiving somewhere else. Oh, just come to come to Columbus and do it. I mean, like we're we're also pretty flat, but I think there's like a skydiving places. Oh,、here. probably, yeah. Yeah.、Mm-hmm. So we do have some follow-ups about、um, our last episode. One of the topics that、uh, listener feedback was、uh, whether you sit or stand during lab hours or working the labs. So, what do you think, Amanda? Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. I, I'm more of a stander just because it's easier to move around. You know, when you sit down, I just feel like it, 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 it restricts my movement. So I'm, I'm standing around most of the time. But I can tell you, it really does get really tiring when you're on your feet like four or five hours at a time.、Mm-hmm. I don't, I can't imagine how chefs and kitchens do it for like twelve hours straight because like it, it hurts. <laughs> right, right, right. And do you stand because you're short? Ah,、uh, <laughs> uh, not bad. Our can be adjusted. I just want to say, and I'm not that short. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, that that But, that, yeah, that was、yeah. that was a joke. <laughs> do, do you stand? Uh, most of the time I stand. Um, but but. Over times, I feel that my neck hurts just because I'm constantly looking down. Oh, because you're so tall. That's what you know. No, it's not. It's nothing to be. There's nothing to go with our height. I'm just looking straight ahead at my experiment.、So. <laughs> Heck no. Yeah, to be honest, though, I could sit, but、um, I feel like I I lost some control when I'm sitting on a stool and doing, you know, I don't know. Petting or doing something, I, I felt like I have to stand on my own feet、yeah. to make sure that I do everything right. Right, right, right. So right, you don't right, feel right. like you're slack. And、um, the other topic,、uh, other feedback was、uh, related to lab work is、uh, office location. So I guess like for some of us as grad students, our offices are in the physical labs where we perform experiments, and then for some of us, we have a separate office from the lab. 
So the office where we do like computer stuff work on is different from like the physical lab where we run experiments. Right, right, right. What 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 kind of office do you have? Well, OSU thankfully is rich enough that we have our own physical like office separate from the lab, which I really appreciate.、Mm -hmm. I think I prefer having the office separate from the lab because you don't have to like smell hexane、mm -hmm. and like I don't know. Acetyl trying to right, do work、right. on the computer or anything. Yeah, I in 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 Kansas State, it's kind of divided. Some labs they have a they have an area for students to sit in the lab actually, but they are they're like、uh, cubes separated.、Uh, so it's a it's like a little office within the lab, but it's but you have to go into the lab to get to your office.、Mm -hmm. I guess that's a little different.、Uh, and, um, right. Yeah, I I do have an office outside of the lab, but、uh, our office has no window. It's it's a it, it, I don't know. Some people complain about it, but I think it's it's actually good for productivity. You like having no windows. You think it boosts productivity, right? Dude, you're like king of capitalism or something. <laughs> I have to I have to have an enclosed environment for me to think. <laughs> like what? No windows. Right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And then I guess like our last part of the update was I went back to Cleveland again.、Mm -hmm. So those of you who don't know, I'm in a sort of singing group, and then we had a performance at Case Western University, which is located in Cleveland, Ohio. So that was really fun. I love Cleveland. It's a very great、Believe、city.、Um, there's a lot of musical. Cleveland. Cleveland. Wait, why did I say no, it? No,、right? no, no. I said Cleveland. It's like a basketball joke. That's okay. Ah.、Uh, I heard the Cleveland Cavaliers. I know I'm not a huge basketball fan. Um, so right. So how 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 was how was your performance? It was good. It was good. Yeah, no voice crack this time. Okay. <laughs> so that's nice. So do you? How many people are in your acapella group? Uh, we used to be like ten, and then、oh, a lot of people graduated, and then now we have six people. Okay. But we're gonna start auditions up in spring, so、nice. it will probably grow. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So you have some life outside of graduate school and graduate research. Yeah, a lot of surprise. Right, right. <laughs> so before we start with、uh, actual advice or sharing our experience applying to graduate school for food science and nutrition,、uh, we should probably kick off with some personal experience and how we get to where we are.、Mm -hmm. Do you want to start, Amanda? Oh, sure. Yeah. So for me, I was wholly set on not going to grad school because I was sort of burnt out from undergrad, and I was set on going into the industry. Were you burned out? Yeah, I think like just you know the whole like I feel like every undergrad I know is somewhat burned out by the end of the semester. It's just that you get I don't know. For me, it was like I was done with writing reports over and over again, and like it just felt re really repetitive, and I was ready to just. Move on and go get a job, right? But then senior year of undergrad and the first semester of the senior year, I was taking a class called food analysis. Shout out to Pam, Pam, <laughs>、um, Pam. the professor who taught that course. And then we like I really like her and we talk quite a lot. And then she was asking me about my career aspirations, and I told her I kind of want to do. Lab stuff like anal analytical lab work, and then plan all these like design these experiments and whatnot for food companies. And she said like, that's really hard to do going into the industry with just a bachelor's degree. She said that you could become a lab tech, but that's 
But if you want to do what you actually just told me you want to do, um, I think that grad school, you should really consider grad school. And then she also said things like, I think you have the aptitude for it, and et cetera. And she was very encouraging throughout it all. So even though it was quite late for me to be considering grad school, because, you know, it was like senior year, um, we were almost through with the first semester, it was October. I got a lot of encouragement from her. And then in addition to that, I had a lot of, um, well, not a lot of, but I had some research experience. Right, right. You, you, you did an undergraduate research project before, you, before your senior year. Yes, yeah. So my junior year, I worked with a microbio professor um, at our department. I worked on kimchi and bacteria. And then, so that was one of my research experience. The other one was I worked with Gary Renatius um, on flavor chemistry. So I had those two research experiences under my belt. So I think that made it easier for me to suddenly decide, mm, I think I'm going to apply to grad school. So, nice. so that's my story. Yeah. Ben, do you want to share yours too? Yes. So I jumped on the bandwagon of research early on my undergrad life. Um, I think it was my sophomore year. The first, so my first part-time job at the university was a lab assistant in a horticultural science lab, and uh, so that was when I first started to work in the lab. At first, it was just a part-time job, and I just wanted to earn some extra money. Uh, and uh, I think it was. Later on in the, maybe it was second semester in my sophomore year, there's another undergraduate student worker in the in that lab trying to apply for an undergraduate research project. And um, so he was talking to the professor and the professor actually asked me if I wanted to. I had some ideas, but it was still kind of vague of what research is because I haven't really seen the whole project. I, I was just doing for here and there. But um, I said, you know, accept her offer, and uh, she helped me through the proposal. I actually got a research uh, project funded uh, through the university program, and that, so that was during my the summer between sophomore and junior. And you know, I, that was that was a great experience. I learned I learned a lot in the lab a lot of analytical techniques, and I thought, you know, those are really what I like to do. So I went down, stayed in that lab, ended up um, working there for three years on Honeycrisp apples. Through those times, definitely, I started to read more research paper and got to know people. Actually, did also did an undergraduate research with Gary Renesius. So by the time close to senior year, I thought, you know, I should probably just go on to graduate school. I, that was that was easy. Right. So it was like a pretty linear progression for you then. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, somewhat. Uh, it was. I don't know. I don't know if it's the best choice for me, but I've been pretty into research since um, maybe my junior year. Right. And I think at one point during undergrad, you might have mentioned to me that you were considering going into academia and being a professor. So I guess that kind of segues into our next section about, you know, deciding whether to go to grad school or not and how that sort of fits into your career path. Yeah. So, I mean, we kind of already mentioned about timing, right? Or, or to say, uh, do you just want to get a job after you graduate from undergrad or you want to kind of have a bit more years of uh, being mm-hmm. student, uh, regardless going directly to PhD? or just start off with a master's 
and see what happens in two or three years. Right. And I guess in that sense, I do know a lot of people who kind of take grad school as a stepping stone. So maybe they want to stay in school for a little bit longer. Maybe don't they don't feel like they want to work straight away. Maybe they want to delay adulthood a little bit, which I can understand. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Those, and, those and actually, all... within, this, within the industry of food science, um, a lot of big companies for uh, people would like to do research and development positions, uh, starting off as an R&D scientist. Typically, a graduate degree is required. Yeah. And um, another thing that kind of factored into some of my friends' decision as well about grad school is, so both Ben and I are international students. We are not American citizens. And for those who don't know, when we graduate with a degree, we get something called OPT, which is a work authorization mm-hmm. program that allows us to work in the United States for about three years, I believe. So that's, we have that work authorization after every degree. So technically, if I did my bachelor's and I did my master's, I have three years after my master's to work in the U.S. as a legal, you know, authorized worker. Right. I, and, and also uh, the work visa has a lottery system. Mm-hmm. So getting a master's advanced degree, or regardless is master or PhD, increases the chance of the lottery uh, right. by, by by almost double the chance. Oh, really? I, I didn't think. know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, because undergrad chance is very low. So yeah, doubling yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so that could be definitely another reason to go for. Yeah. Yeah. And also for OPT, I know some friends who wanted to go into grad school, but they didn't want to do it straight away after their bachelor's because they could do their bachelor's, get years of work experience, and then go back to school for their master's and then get the other three years of experience. So it's, it's you know, there there's a lot of thinking that goes into it. Yeah, 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 for sure. And um, what we touched on is um, your own life choice of whether stay in school or not. And um, there's give and take for advantage of staying school or advantage of going out and get a job. But I think especially for food science, since the area of study is so broad, actually, it, it makes it a little more difficult to find a reason to stay in graduate school. Can you expound on that? Um, I just feel like so it's not just like you go you go on for another degree in food science. It would be, you have to choose the branch, especially in graduate school. You have to choose, say, food chemistry, food microbiology, sensor studies, or whatnot. Right. At least you have to have a brief idea of which area you want to go for grad school. Because it will be very difficult for a person to just choose to go on a food science graduate degree and figure out which area he or she wants to go in later on. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's a very broad area. So also, the, the, because of that, I think I think with a food science master's degree, I always sort of see it as an extension of undergrad because it's already so broad to really get specialized knowledge in like a specific area of study. I think that's also why some people choose to go to grad school mm-hmm. because I mean, think about it, right? In engineering undergrad, you have chemical engineering, civil engineering, mechanical engineering and whatnot. And like once they have graduated, they they have a lot of the 
I guess, core mm-hmm. skills and knowledge needed for their specific field. But food science is so broad. Food science is like if everyone in the engineering school just graduated with graduated with an engineering degree with like no specialization. Right. I, I, well, I mean, yeah. Now I think about it, this might apply to all students who wants to do graduate school. You have to sort of segment a smaller area from your undergraduate major and choose that as your area of study.、Uh, and that applies to almost all majors. You can't just continue with whatever you're studying and stay in that scope. You have to narrow that scope to some degree. Right. But for us, for food science, there are different scopes. But the differences among these scopes or among these area of study is Drastic. Right. If you're a microbiologist, your your courses and your research will be very much different than somebody doing food analysis. And the only thing that you guys are in common is that you both research on food. Right. I mean, someone could be doing CRISPR in one room, and someone else is doing like GCMS. And like you said, the only thing that is in common is you're doing research on food. But it could very well easy. You know, it, it's two very different disciplines. Let's say. Right, 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 and, and a, historically it was different, right? These the, these two areas were separate. It was because of food、uh, connected researchers together and funded departments like food science.、Mm-hmm. So I guess that's also a huge part of undergrad students who are thinking about grad school. I think a lot of my friends I see right now who are undergrads, they're You know they don't know. Like it's so broad. They could they could literally do anything: food micro, food chem, sensory. How do people go about choosing something within the food science discipline that they want to apply to for grad school? And how does their undergrad research experience play into that? I do think that people go into food science or four years of studying food science will give people some vague idea of which profession they want to pursue. Say that if people are really into safety, produce safe food, and control production, naturally the food safety route、uh, or the food microbiology route in general will be、uh, more more fitting to what the career goal is,、mm-hmm. and that will just be an easier choice to make.、Mm-hmm. I think what's really interesting is. You know, depending on what people do as an undergrad. So, for instance, if someone happened to apply for a posting in a sensory lab as an undergrad and started doing research there, they kind of get segue into like like they get slotted into the sensory world, and then from then on, they get more research experience there, and then they end up applying to grad school、mm-hmm. in that area. Right, right, right. Um, less often is like when someone actually gets to try out, like, okay, let me try out some like microbio research, and then I'm gonna try out some,、mm-hmm. I don't know, do something else in horticulture, and then actually sample everything before picking a decision. And I think that's really common. It's it's a lot of times it's what is what sort of research, like what's your first research experience, and a lot of times it kind of builds off of that.、Mm-hmm. I feel like it does play a great role. To some degree, that since you have that first impression of how research is, it might、uh, you know push people away from research, right? Because of a bad undergraduate research experience, they might just want to decide not to go on for graduate school and get a job right away. I, I think that yeah, that logic also works、um, basically、uh, in a different direction. But、um, if you're trying to get a 
graduate degree to advance your career opportunities, I would say that the area of study is less relevant to, as a contribution to your overall career development because employers more care about your graduate school experience in general rather than the expertise, the very specific expertise that you learn from your graduate degree. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I think that makes some sense to me. Um, I think at the same time, it it really depends on what kind of role you're pursuing, right? If you're if you're getting a master's degree and you want to be mm-hmm. a product developer for I don't know like the dairy industry, right? I feel like they're not gonna be like, oh, you didn't do it in dairy technology, so we don't want you. No. But I do think that if you did do it in dairy, it does sort of give you a leg up. Oh yeah, for sure. Yes. It's not a make or break. I think a lot of times, at least when it comes to master master's degrees, I think employers are not super choosy. No, no, no. And I think what they care more about as employers is whether you have experience in the industry. You know, so if you're applying for a job that makes whey protein beverage beverages, they might want you to have, I don't know, three experiences of industry experience in the beverage industry. Mm-hmm. Or at least some product development competition experience. Mm-hmm. But if you wanted to go to like P&G or Nestle and you want to go to their research headquarters and work on more intricate R&D designs and experiments, I think that employers would look at it differently. They might want you to have expertise in carbohydrates if you're going to work on innovating their cereal brand or whatnot. So I think it really depends. Like it, it, It's hard to say. I think it depends on what sort of jobs you're going mm-hmm. after. Well, it also depends on, uh, I, I completely agree with what you said. And I do think they, there is another factor, especially for working as a product developer. And we actually had a discussion on this uh, this past week in, in, in our offices. So undergrads want to become a product developer in the future. And this person, uh, he would like to go on graduate school because that's part of the requirement for big companies. You can get away with it, but um, he, he definitely wants to do graduate school. Right. But he doesn't know what to do in graduate school because his sole reason or most of the reason for graduate school is to help him become a better product developer candidate for big companies. Right. Right. So so then so then we're we're we're, we're trying to decide because uh, graduate students are already sort of biased in some way that we, we believe you know the project doesn't matter too much. Uh, Regardless, especially for masters, I'm solely referring to masters here. Uh, the masters project alone, the area of study, might not be that important compared to physically get into a graduate program and finish up the degree in two years or in a timely manner. So that will help him to advance his career opportunities in a short time. Well, I think. I think just like the length of the program itself, you know, for for a PhD, you're working on a very specific topic for five to six years. You're trying to create new knowledge in that sense, right? 
because you definitely need that time frame to really understand the context of where you're working at to develop a research question that is going to unveil something new and to work on it. For master's degree, we're talking about two years. So more often than not, we're not really doing research in that sense, but we might be testing out an application of a certain research that someone else discovered, testing out that application on certain types of products mm -hmm. or in different scenarios or something like that. So I think employers, when they're hiring people and they're hiring master's graduate, they don't expect you to be an expert in that field. And they don't expect that like you're not coming into the door with like all the protein experience under your belt just because you did two years of work in a protein lab. And I think employers understand that as oh, well. Oh, yeah. I mean, that graduate school experience matters more than, you know, the specific expertise. Right. Like the specific field is not that important. It's more like you gain research skills, writing skills, experimental design skills. Those are important. Right. And I think sometimes the topic of study, like you said, takes a backseat mm -hmm. to all these other skills that you're gaining in that two years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And really going to graduate school, well, well, this is only one situation, right? This is when you want to create more career opportunities. But for some others, it might be a lot more simpler because they, they're solely interested in one topic, genuine interest. They can pursue a graduate degree to continue explore the field and essentially in the in the future maybe contribute to the field right are you talking about yourself ben heck no <laughs> <laughs> oh really no i'm not like that at all oh okay wow. i just want to graduate <laughs> <laughs> yeah but seriously um the, the the different sort of area of study can be a very important factor to this graduate school decision making process mm -hmm. And I also think that one last point before we move on to other things is that I think if you're doing a master's program to sort of get a taste of grad school before you jump head on into a PhD program, mm -hmm. then the field might actually matter. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. You know, if, if you have your master's working in food micro, that really helps a lot if you're trying to get into a PhD program that is about food micro. Mm-hmm. I don't know a lot of people who kind of want to do research and want to do a PhD, but they're not 100% sure yet. So they go into a master's program first. And I think then it, it is quite important to put some thought into what sort of discipline you want to put yourself in. Right, right, right. And one of the ways to do this is to maybe find an undergraduate lab position and try it out in your undergrad years. I feel that would be, that would be a better way to experience it and see how it really like before you actually apply to graduate school. Right. And so moving on, I think one thing we wanted to talk about was how do you choose a school? How do you choose a program? How do you choose which professors to work with? So assuming that people have narrowed down their area of study, I guess this would be the logical next step during their application process. Yeah, to see where, where you want to go. Mm -hmm. So for, for you, Ben, how did you pick your schools? Um... So for me personally, I applied to a bunch of schools, but they're all kind of in different majors or area of study, sorry. It's all food science. It's just different areas of study. I picked school for, you know, some school are recruiting, right? They're open positions, so I applied to those. And some other schools I applied for that professor. I took the approach of 
contacting the professor first before applying. I know some others do the reverse way, apply and get in first before finding an advisor. I did my way because I was solely area dependent. So I don't really care the school as much as I care about the major professor. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, when I was applying to schools, like, like you said, I looked more at the lab itself and the professor that I wanted to work with more than what schools I was applying to. And then, you know, if I could redo it again, I might just email professors first before applying because it's honestly a little bit of a waste of a time if you apply madly to schools, but no professors there want to work with you. Sometimes you could still get invited to the school and meet with the professor mm-hmm. um, and you know demonstrate interest and kind of have both parties check each other out. But like I would try to email professors more upfront before applying just to gauge their interest. Okay. So bonus point. How do you ma- how do you email a professor blindly? <laughs> well, do it blindly. <laughs> well, to to a professor that you've never met. Right. Right. I mean, I think first of all, professors should expect these cold emails from students as well. Um, yeah, that's true. Because they know that people at school so I don't think people should be too self-conscious about it like and if you get ignored that's totally fine professors get hundreds of emails a day some of them and I think I always start by saying hi um you know I, I mentioned that I've been reading up on their research a point or two that I find interesting and I told I, I usually tell them oh I'm interested in applying for your lab um attached to my resume Please reach out to me if you're still if you're interested. Yeah, attaching resume is essentially a necessary step, and mm-hmm. regardless what you're doing, you always attach it and attach it as a PDF so it shows up naturally in the attachment. You know that people can easily click on and browse. Right, right. It kind of you know it, if they have to spend an additional thirty seconds replying to your email and asking for your resume, that's a lot of effort for them. Right, right, right. So I think. Even if they never ask for it and anything, just attach it because right. you never know. And, and I feel it's right. always very curious for me to see someone's resume or someone's CV. And that is more than the, the words that you write in the email, right? That, that email could be very brief of an introduction. But your experience, put them all in your resume and attach that. I know this sounds, you know, you, you're just showing off yourself on paper without actually letting the people or letting a formal face-to-face interview. But given the uh, situation here that it's very difficult to meet professors in person, attaching a strong resume or a resume with uh, clear goals, clear objectives would really help professors to will save their time and essentially increase the chance of getting responses. And another thing about emailing professors is um, sometimes it really helps save your time. You know when to cut your losses short. You know what to focus your energy on. So, for example, I think one of the professors I applied to at Cornell, she responded and she said, we're only looking for PhD students, not master's students. So that really saved me. Like if, if she was the only professor I was interested in Cornell, that would have saved me an application fee and a lot of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and also, usually when you email professors, if they're interested, they will show interest. And then maybe you can focus more on that application for them. So knowing how to budget your time and effort is really helpful 
And one way to get to that stage is by emailing professors more so you can kind of figure out. Yeah, and one more thing is there, there are some keywords that you have to include in there. That's like the password for them to look at it. <laughs> Um, essentially, you really want to include which semester and what year you will be looking for the position. This is really matter a lot because most professors, they're funding the students through their grants and grants have deadlines. They want to make sure that they hire people and give them enough time to finish the research. Right. Very important. And second point would be what Amanda said was degree seeking. If you're only going for a master's, say that. If you're only going for a PhD, also say that. And that really also saves time. And make sure that this is a two-way selection process. You're also seeing and reviewing the potential major professors in your future. So don't make it only look like that you will, any professor that will take you is a good professor. It's not necessarily going that way. Also do your own evaluation before blindly shotgun sending 50 emails to all the professors in every state. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, treat it like Tinder, you know? Like, both parties should be interested in each other. You're not blindly going <laughs> And don't... Right, right, right. Both of you have to swipe. Right on everyone, like, just because that you think that will help your chances. So, like Ben said, don't send out 100 emails, like, blindly. Really pick right. views and put effort into uh-huh. Understanding their research and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. And I would also say that if you get a response uh, from the professor, the chance of you replying and them response again is a lot of higher. Right. So do make use of that. And if you're really into that person and you think their research is great and they reply sending a positive signal, schedule a call. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Seeing each other in person, having had that personal communication really puts you on their radar. And if you manage to get a personal phone call, and I think like your chances are substantially higher. Right, right, right. And, and actually get a phone call or actually even a video chat if you want. You know, it can be just 10, 15 minutes, introduce yourself with your own voice and um, maybe give a bit of more context Uh, of who you are and what you want to accomplish and also learn from the university or from the professor what they are focusing what their expectations of graduate students Mm -hmm. those are definitely very important and also one thing that just popped into my mind is timing I think a lot of people Mm -hmm. apply maybe from November onwards to like February which is usually the application window for a lot of schools yeah, but maybe some to March, even. Even if you don't get in during that round or that period, don't fret. There are a lot of people I know who came in afterwards. I have a friend who, so for Ohio State, I believe application usually closes January or February, if I'm not wrong. But a friend I have, um, she emailed a professor in April. And then she got an interview and everything. And then she was working here in August. So um, I would say definitely don't fret because like, like, like Ben said, professors funding come in different waves. So sometimes a professor might not immediately have the money for a new grad student, but like in a few months, they might know if they have money or not. Right, right, right. And this happens, uh, this happens to my boss sometimes because 
be uh, or I mean just the grant funding cycles are not necessarily 100% matching the application cycle, right? Some grants could all of a sudden come in in, say, January 1st, but the professor won't have an opportunity to recruit until, say, in March, and the student won't be physically arriving right. until September 1st, or some of them starting in summer, maybe June 1st or July 1st. So they're really looking for students all year round. And it's just administratively, you only have two or three chances per year to get into the university. That's right. Mm -hmm. So honestly, keeping your name on their file, if you don't find any great opportunity for your first try, I feel that opportunities will come back to you later on because if you're you know, really impressive and made to the made, made to the list. It's just a, a game of funding for that given period of time. Right, right. So it's important to continue to keep that connection with professors who are interested in you. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um. So I guess that's it for this episode. That's it for this episode, and uh, we decided to break this apart to two episodes. The next episode that we hopefully put up in two weeks will be solely focused on the graduate school applications so this will be about like preparing for your GRE and then you know how to get letters of recommendations and more specific detailed things like that right and this is all bloody experience personal experience that we came through (laughs) <laughs> yep. 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 Yes, yeah. we did. Right. 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 So. Thank you. Till next time. <laughs>